Good morning and welcome to Be The Cause podcast, Conversations to Cause Health. I'm your host, Amanda Plevel, and thank you for joining us. So we talk a lot about the main toolkits um, that we kind of go after is the tools in our toolbox that have the potential to create environments that are conducive to our own health, the things that cause health, and then we help work on strategies to get to those. So those two tools in your toolbox that we talk about so frequently are your food and your thoughts. Now, um, lately, and mostly we've been talking a lot about thoughts and concepts um, on our podcast episodes. And this week I want to use food to use it as an example of, of what we do all the time. And so food is a really good one because we have so many concepts around food and we have so many ideas of challenges around food and food is so, um, our, our thoughts on food is so biased and I, and nearly everyone that comes into the office says that they're confused about um, nutrition advice and not sure which fads they should follow, which bandwagon they should jump on. And so what humans do <laughs> with, with everything, and we're going to use food specifically, is, is we put things in a box. And the fact that we separate those boxes, this is good, this is bad, this is healthy, this is unhealthy, this is where we get our concepts about it. And so when someone says, I hate vegetables, they've put vegetables, all vegetables in a box. Vegetables are bad. Vegetables are gross. I don't like vegetables. And so now we have all these concepts about vegetables. And every time they have a health issue and somebody tells them you need to eat more vegetables or you need to improve your diet, automatically those barriers go up because this person now wants to open up this box of vegetables that is bad, (laughs) that has, you know, these negative concepts and negative connotations for this person. And so really what we need to do is we need to address the concepts around why they believe the vegetables are bad. Um, Most of the time when people say, I hate vegetables, I'm like, really? You hate foods that help you eliminate stuff from your body? You hate foods that give you fiber? You hate foods that give you energy? And when they say they hate vegetables, it's like, well, what? What do you mean by that? What vegetables? Have Have you tried rutabaga? Have you tried purple yam? Um, you, you hate kohlrabi, you hate oka, you hate fi- fiddleheads, you hate turnip, you hate radicchio, you hate arugula, and they have never tried any of them. <laughs> and so they're, they're, if they're putting every vegetable into a box, classifying it as bad, and they've maybe had, you know, five vegetables that they didn't like and it you know they came from a can or it was the school vegetables that are cooked to a mush i would agree with them those are terrible we don't like that that taste or that texture in our mouth so really we have to get down to what the definition is um, and what has been tried and what hasn't been tried and then go further into those concepts even if you said you don't like vegetables i guarantee there were probably some fights around the food table um, with parents or authority figures, and that did not help to create positive concepts about your relationship with food or about vegetables in general. And why are we picking on vegetables? We always pick on vegetables because when somebody says, you know, they're going to start eating healthy or they're unhappy that they have to start eating healthy, they have to start eating healthy. They automatically go to this vegetable idea. Vegetables are yucky. I don't like vegetables. And, um, and so we, we have to get out of, one, we have to understand the concepts beneath. There is always a need. 
whatever the obstacle is, there is always a need behind that behavior or behind that obstacle. And so we have to get to the concepts that are creating that need. And once we can understand that, removing some of those concepts helps to take the vegetable or the thing up and out of the box where we can look at it and we can see it and we can make decisions about it. And so there is a concept I want people to understand as we move forward here. There is no such thing as healthy food or unhealthy food. There is only supportive food or non-supportive food. And I would even like to go further and classify, if we're going to classify things, is this a food? There are so many things on the shelf that we really should not even put into the same category as a food. It's a food stuff, maybe. It's a filler. It's something that you can put in your mouth. Whether it's supportive of the body or not is really what we want to take a look at. And so when we when we classifying is always kind of our is our crux. And currently we have a food pyramid, which is a classifying system. And it isn't classified based on, um, you know, the function or what it does in our body. What it's classified on is similar traits. And so fruit, for example, it's thin and small, seeded and juicy that goes in the fruit category, or it's a meat. It came from an animal or it's a grain, it, where, you know, it's a bread, it's a cereal. These things were made from grain, so we're going to put that in this category. And they may have similar nutrition to them, but what's lost in that by classifying is we're putting these things in a box and not necessarily understanding the purpose behind them, which is why we teach food functions, because it's more beneficial to know not their classification, but that every category of food serves a purpose. And so when we say, you have diabetes, you need to eat more vegetables, that's not necessarily the goal that we are trying to go after. You know, we can say you're constipated, so you need to eat more fiber, you need to eat more fruits, you need to eat more vegetables. What we need to say instead is if you're experiencing the effect of constipation, let's go back to the cause. Let's, let's bring in the things that help, help not to have the experience of constipation. Let's bring the foods that help the body eliminate. Well, if we're classifying with a food pyramid, we don't know what those foods are. If we're using the idea of functions of foods, we've already learned and understood that eliminator foods are the type of foods then that we would want to bring in because their job, their purpose, their role, the things that make them up help to create smooth flowing, um, eliminative channels bowels that can evacuate freely. So I would, it's not about deciding to eat more fruits and vegetables. It's about being aware of what the body is manifesting, the symptoms that it's demonstrating, and then find the foods that, um, that meet that need. And so I would highly suggest learning about, learning about your food and how it partners with us. I think food is something that we do multiple times a day. And it's definitely one of those things that we really take for granted because it's everywhere. It's on every corner, but we don't stop to really kind of take a look at what it's doing for our bodies. It's either supportive or it's non-supportive. And if you have a goal, you know, of weight loss or whatever that goal is, you have to look at, this is the food I want to eat. This is what's on my plate. This is what I've chosen. This is what I've ordered. Is this supportive to that goal or not? 
I think if we take away the concepts of healthy versus unhealthy, we're going to get a lot farther that way. Because when we when we put that that concept on there, healthy or unhealthy, now there's a whole ton of concepts that that build around guilt and shame because you didn't have the willpower, you didn't have the self-will or all of those concepts, you know, that your parents brought on or all the concepts that your doctors brought on um, about what you're doing wrong because you're unhealthy. So if we get those concepts out of the way and we just look at the function of what we're trying to serve and we utilize. So, you know, if we're going to hang something on the wall, we need a hammer and nail to be able to do that. And so we're looking for something that can, you know, pound and drive the nail into the wall. That's its purpose. That's what we're, that's what we're trying to serve so that we can have that ultimate result of having the wall hanging go up on the wall. And it's the same thing in our body. If we want to be able to have um, clean skin, clear skin, no acne, good, good, strong hair, we're going to look at those, we're going to look at those things that bring about that action, not that we're eating healthy or unhealthy. We're thinking, oh, let's find some, you know, good lubricative foods that are going to help assist our bodies to create this good skin. Let's find some good eliminator foods that um, are going to help clean up our blood. And so we want to know what the functions of those foods are. And so we really can't separate food from concepts because we have so much emotion and so many thoughts tied around our food. But it's a good idea. It's a good example of what humans do in general, which is to classify, categorize, put things in boxes, judge them, compare them. And every struggle that we have, we can generally see that we've put them in a box. You know, men are terrible. They, they cause women all kinds of pain. They cause me all kinds of pain. Okay, you know every man and every man has always forever and always caused you pain. We have to get down to taking things out of the box and really taking a look at them and seeing if this is if this is really something that you want to bring into your existence. So um, food also gives us signals. There's always metabolic signals. And so cravings, people talk about cravings and their self-will with cravings. And I would venture to say it's not so much about self-will. It's more about not knowing what that signal is trying to tell you. For example, craving sweets is a big sign, a metabolic signal for the need for minerals, particularly magnesium, particularly if you're if you're craving chocolate. It usually is going to be something like magnesium or zinc or, or copper or iron that the body is craving. And so we look for what is that good food that can meet that need? What is a good food that has really good, strong magnesium then to, to counteract that that craving. And so something like an avocado is great because it's rich in magnesium. It's rich in fiber and good, healthy fat. And then we can use other foods that help to drive that magnesium into the cell. So something like a medium chain triglyceride or the fats that come from the avocado will help to drive that into the cell. So really what we have done is we have done quite a disservice. You know, as a parent, if you were, if, if, if a teacher was to look at your child and be like, this is a good child, this is a bad child, you know, you would raise holy terror 
if that were to happen. And yet, essentially, we've done the same thing with the situations in our lives, with our thoughts, with our emotions, and with our foods. And we have said, this is a good thing. This is a bad thing. This is a good food. This is a bad food. And it's really very unfair to do that when we have not taken a look at all of the different types of foods that go into that fruit category or all of the different type of vegetables that go into that vegetable category and really try to take a look at the concepts um, behind why we've done that. And so I would challenge you to, uh, to try to pull out some concepts on your own that might lead to understanding why you're having the feelings and thoughts that you're doing about the foods that you're choosing. I would ask questions of yourself like, what do I think eating healthy means? In other words, what does eating healthy look like? What have I been told in the past about eating? Where have I seen myself in the past having issues with food? Why do I think I need to eat fruits and vegetables? What's my issue with fruits and vegetables? Why do I feel like they don't complete me? What kind of completion am I looking for? Have I lost a sense of wholeness? What am I really missing from my life? Do you see how when you kind of follow the rabbit down, you can see that it becomes less and less about the food and more and more about what that food represents in your life? At that point, as you're asking yourself questions and you're making statements in answer to those questions, you can look at those answers and ask yourself, is this really true? Okay, but is it really true across the board in every situation? Is this really true? And more importantly, is this something that I want to be true for me? Is this a concept that I actually want to still believe in? Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, definitely go check out our website at anmcholistichealth.com or give our office a call at 320-639-0044. I encourage you to go on, keep on having conversations with others that cause health. We'll see you next time.